we're starting to have some hybrid meetings where you can be in the room, but with the right technology. So the ex hybrid experience is actually real and it, it's productive. And our challenge now is to put together metaverse and hybrid. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? Welcome back to the Real Leadership Podcast. I'm, I'm excited today to, um, to share with you a conversation uh, with, a, with a very experienced and, and energetic leader that I recently got to know through a mutual friend. And um, I'm going to let him uh, introduce himself properly, but but with me today is uh, Jorge Castilla, who is the country managing director for Accenture in Mexico. And a couple months ago, we had a really interesting conversation about leadership and culture. And um, I asked him if he would consider joining us here in, on the podcast, and he generously offered uh, to share his time and energy. So uh, I'd, I'd love to introduce you all to Jorge. And Jorge, welcome welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for, for that graceful introduction. Very happy to be here and, and of course, happy to talk to you and uh, always happy to discuss uh, about leadership. So thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. That's one of the things that, that struck me in the first five minutes um, of our conversation was that, okay, this this guy has a passion for leadership. He's not going through the motions. He's actually like, living it and breathing it. And, and you know, um, what, what struck me as interesting in our first chat was was just the arc of your career and 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 you ending up in the role you're in and, and some of the um, things you've taken on. So I think maybe for the benefit of my listeners, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about, I, I mean, I'm making assumption most people know who Accenture is, but if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about Accenture and your role and sure. maybe how you got there. Sure, sure, happy to do so. Um, well, uh, first of all, Accenture is a uh, uh, transformation uh digital transformation company that actually helps other companies to be innovative and uh raise their market share um, and create more value for the world you know actually our our purpose is uh to achieve the promise of technology mixing technology and human ingenuity that's really the purpose that we pursue so so it's really a mix of uh, industry knowledge and technology knowledge and, and how we can do that to, to help the, the world be a better place. So, and, and it's a pretty big company and, and I'm very happy to be here. Now, how did I got here? It's probably an interesting thing. To be honest, uh, I always wanted to be an athlete. I had no intention at all of working, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up... Work. What, was what was your sport when you were growing up? I, I was a tennis player. I, I I played in college in 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 the U.S. Okay. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to to participate in that, and they played a little pro at uh, you know the, there's three levels of professional tennis. I was playing the in the basic one, and and I was very happy. It was it was a great experience. But I think the, what the reason why I mention it is because. Some of the basics, I believe, of leadership came from those experiences in, as an athlete. Then I started working, and I loved consulting. I fell in love with, with advising and consulting others. And uh, then I got 
as in part of my career, I've been there in more than 30 years now. Uh, and part of my career, I, I was a human capital consulting. And to be honest, uh, being a supply chain consultant, being a strategy consulting, I found out it was easy compared to be a human capital consulting. Because if you look at a company, the, the people, the organization, the elements, the human elements that, that make it real and the culture that it creates is much more complex than any other component. So uh, I learned that through the practice. And, and later, later in my career, I, I was, um, I was grateful, honored, or however you want to call it, to take roles uh, in as a leader. And, and some of them were in Mexico, many of them. Uh, then I went to other company and took on other leaders, leadership roles. And then I came back to Accenture uh, four years ago. I came back and, and happy to be here. And, and, and this last one, uh, I came back with, with great ideas of how to transform and grow. And uh, with everything that I've learned before, this was great. So it's interesting you, uh, you know, about you leaving Accenture and coming back. And you know, in, in my career, I've worked with a lot of uh, managers and leaders um, that, that get very precious about leaving their organization. You know, when they, when they know something's not right, something doesn't feel right, they're, they're not in the right role, they don't have the right leader, they're not feeling supported or challenged, and they get stuck. And, and the thought of, of leaving their organization feels overwhelming and, and, and like the sense that they can't come back. And yet time and time again, I meet people like you who are very <laughs> successful in their career and th they have left and come back and they come back with, with a better perspective and better energy. And I, I wouldn't mind if, if you wouldn't mind just sharing with the listeners, like when you made that decision to leave and obviously share whatever you're comfortable with, but what was going through your mind and, and how did you approach that idea of if I'm leaving, can I ever come back? Like, yeah, I would, I would love to hear your take on that. Sure. Sure. It was, it's very interesting because, um, you know, it, it was a while ago, but, um, I, I would say it was one of those moments I was, I was very engaged for, for a long, long time in this company. And uh, as you have heard, right, uh, the main element is who you work with, not, not the values of the company, not, it's really the people you're working with. And a lot has to do with who's, who you're directly working with. Uh, at that moment, I had a, I had a, a boss, a leader, a friend, that for many, many years, and he left. And to be honest, it, it was a complex change. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I had a great offer. I had never listened to offers before, but I did listen to this one. And, and I think the reason why this, this channel opened is because uh, it was different than what it was before. So I dared to listen. And I'm glad I did because I learned so much. Because um, one thing we probably value enough is that diversity of perspectives in life is what makes you richer mm. so being in a different consulting uh, firm gave me so much value i met different people with different perspectives different ideas some of the paradigms i had were broken some others were created things that it, that i undervalued before i learned they were immensely valuable and um so and i became more objective 
with myself, with the company, with the results of the company. And um, so I, I, would, I, would, I would tell everybody, <laughs> I know it's tough because in that moment, you're just suffering. But uh, I, I see in the younger people, especially, uh, that they have really learned that their career is going to be composed of many components. Uh, wow. For us, Gen Xers or <laughs> baby boomers, uh, the career was in the company, right? So it was a it was a very tough decision. Uh, yeah. I I see now a, a different perspective, and I think it's great because it, it gives people uh, more value. Yeah. Uh, so w- when I came back, I I think I came back a, a much better asset. Let me say it that way for for Accenture than what it, what what it could have been, even if I grew in the company. That's my, my, yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it reminds me of a, you know, a a leadership model that I saw years ago when I, when I was doing a lot of local consulting here in the, in the greater Vancouver area, I was doing some work with family businesses and, you know, probably three or four times over the years, I met the, you know, the patriarch of the family business and, you know, he was grooming his son or his daughter to be and I say his because back then they were all he's. And <laughs> yeah. fortunately, we're, in society, we're moving and, and we're seeing a lot more she's at the helm. And that makes a lot of sense. But but the examples I have, you know, they were, they were men later in their career and they had, a, uh, you know, an offspring that they were thinking could be the next leader, wanted to be the next leader of the, of the family business. And a few of them said, you now must leave the family business and go work elsewhere. And I remember... It was tricky because some of the competitors that that these young people would have been a good fit for were like, hang on a sec, why are they coming here? You know, are they coming to spy on us? But it was, it was leaders that were alert to the fact that, look, we act, walk, smell, think, do like this, and we have since day one. For this company to grow and evolve, we need you to to bring some new perspectives, some fresh ideas, some fresh outlooks and paradigms. And and so when you were sharing that, it actually reminded me, it's a much smaller scope, but it, it it's very interesting because I think, you know, when you think of the top people on your team, I'm sure you wouldn't want to lose them for a year or two or three because they're valuable to the organization. But if you think about the, the you know, the long-term health of an organization, if you have leaders that have experienced other cultures and perspectives and if you can get them back into your fold yeah it's very fascinating so you said you felt energy yeah you you came back so four years ago did did you when you left and i don't want to dwell too much on the past history but did you think you would ever come back to accenture i never thought i would come back you didn't okay not like not because I didn't want it to, just to, to be very clear, because I always respected. And with time, I I even uh, valued more. But I never thought, and, and that's an interesting thing, right? Why? Why would I think that? Yeah. Uh, it made no sense. Uh, and I think I'm one of the lucky ones that, that I was able to come back. And, you know, and it, was, uh, and it has been a fantastic experience. But to be honest, I hadn't, I, I, Never thought I would go back. Right. So what was it about uh, the invitation, the offer to invite you back? What was it that got you most excited or energized or interested? To be honest, is the, the level of innovation that in this company is, is being managed or it's being uh, def- def- defined. 
one thing I really like about Accenture is Accenture likes to lead in the market yeah. and Accenture dares to do. Mm. So, so, and I, I would give an example. Uh, nobody thought about, you know, maybe there is a space uh, in digital marketing and in everything that has to do with top line growth in this, in this new digital transformation market. You know, it was a new space, totally new. Nobody would really dare to do it. Uh, Accenture did. And uh, the other thing is because it's a very well managed company financially, and you know that's public; anybody can see it. Um, it it has uh, the capability, and it has the culture to do several acquisitions and integrate even small companies, right, and make them part of the of the company. And what Accenture has learned is to have culture of cultures, of, as as we say. So. Uh, these these components have really speed up innovation. Uh, it became a good motor. It not it doesn't just grow inside. We bring talent from different perspectives, from different places, from different geographies, uh, and from different types of clients. And the other thing I really like this diversity is a true commitment in many many in many ways. It's a true commitment. And when I say a true commitment, is it's discussed at any level, board, executive committee, anything. And it's openly talked about. Yeah, so it sounds like it's an organization that, that lives their values, challenges themselves uh -huh. day in, day out, as opposed to they go through a values exercise, they put it on the wall or on the website, and then, <laughs> and then we don't hear or see from them again. Uh, yeah, that's that's fascinating. So you felt that coming back in, you felt that this this organization was walking the talk, and, it, and obviously there was an excitement around them being pioneers in this space. Um, there's a couple areas I, I my mind's racing to know. I, I want to hear about your experience with leadership in terms of the best and worst. But I think while while I'm thinking about it, um, because it's very topical, every organization I'm consulting and coaching with right now is is wrestling with, in fact, I was on a call today with someone, this idea of who's in the office. A, personally, your views on this, and, and, and B, B, doing the work that Accenture does. How are you navigating this? What's what, where, Where's your uh, take on this right now? Well, first of all, I think we're all, we're all trying to find the answer, to be very honest. Yeah. Um, uh, we have, we're, we're, we're starting to dare to do some things. And uh, I, I, and I can give you my personal opinion on it, but uh, what we're living is we have basically come to a conclusion that is uh, this is going to be a hybrid world, and, and this pandemic and the moments where we were really separated, it taught us two things. One is productivity raises tremendously, and engagement drops just as fast hmm. because the experience that an innovative company full of talented people gives you is not the same through a screen right. that uh, actually sharing face-to-face uh, -face with somebody. So we have initially come to a conclusion, which we're going to pilot and see how, how it works. Uh, we, we are creating something we're calling omni-connected experience where we're asking people to at least try to have 30%, 20% of their time where they for sure come to the office. Now, 
they don't come to the office to do their work. They come to the office to connect, to wow. learn, to integrate, to discuss and, and co-create, to, to do many, many things. Actually, we're modifying all our offices. And uh, at least in Mexico City, we're doing it because we don't need so many places where people can sit down and do work that they can do at their home. Right. But we don't want them disconnected. And and we we learned this especially from the from the younger people. Right. That they were getting really excited and, and you know they were at home and they would receive some things and they were and then it will and it will dry down. So maintaining them engaged, motivated, uh, it was very, very hard. Yeah. So we we have we're 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 trying those things. They're working so good. People are appreciating it now. There's a percentage of our of our you know of our talent that really wants to work fully uh, remote. Mm -hmm. If there's a role for that, we're allowing it. And right. we're also trying to listen to to different perspectives. There's there's people that be, because their needs are such uh, that they really feel much better if they can, and maybe they can come one or two times to the office. Yeah, but but the way I see things pointing is that way. Uh, and and I th I think the two important values: humans are social elements. And people love autonomy. So yeah. the mix of autonomy and still being social is what yeah. we need. We need to find where the mix is at. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And I do, I think what, what's exciting to me about the way you described it is, look, we, <laughs> there isn't a perfect answer, but we can't ignore it. Like uh, just, just, just putting, drawing a line in the sand and hammering your fist on the table saying, that's it. That's, that's only going to get you so far not taking it on like the organization throwing up their hands isn't that's not leadership either so i think this this idea like you said social animals who crave autonomy how do we honor that and knowing that with all of us there's a it's like a continuum you may be a you know i you may be a 60 40 guy in in favor of being with others and i may be a 40 60 well okay so how do we you know how do we allow for that to because you know like you said human capital like that how do we optimize that for the long term? Um, so what I'm picturing, uh, you, you're mentioning your, your offices, like you're thinking, well, we don't need you here to do solo work. You can, you've got a place to do that. You're doing that at home. So are you creating like more sort of collaborative uh, work settings, like less less cubicles where there's a bum in a seat and more sort of, is that? Exactly. Just yeah. what you mentioned. And, and we're testing with different models, right? Because we also don't want the typical... Um, you know, uh, boardroom or 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 room. So now with technology, and I would have to give it to many of our of our technology partners, and we are a technology company. Now we're starting to have experiences that are really interesting, uh, Chris. Uh, let me let me give you an example. We we dared to create, and this was in the pandemic. We created a world in the metaverse. We're starting to have meetings where we're starting to mix different elements. Okay. We're starting to have some meetings in the metaverse. We're starting to have some hybrid meetings where you can be in the room, 
but with the right technology. So the ex hybrid experience is actually real and it, it's productive. And our challenge now is to put together metaverse and hybrid. And if we can do that, this is going to be awesome. Because I know in the future, there's going to be a moment when you're not going to know for real the difference. It's going to happen some years in front. But uh, what I'm seeing is it's promising. It's, it's interesting because th this hybrid world that we're living now, it's really not comfortable. No, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's clumsy. At least, I mean, it's clumsy at best. I was really impressed with with one of our with one of our partners that they have truly managed in the metaverse where you can control the sound of voice. Meaning, if you go further, it disseminates to the point that you can't hear, and if you get closer then you're part of the conversation like normally you are. All these things are being tested by some of the most powerful companies, Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, Google. Uh, all of them are, are Accenture partners. And I am amazed with the things they're doing. So uh, they're really motivated. They're really inspired uh, to, to make a world where we can all truly connect, where they can meet people. They can see presentations. But this world, this is the interesting part. At first, you know, as everybody would do, we created a digital twin, right? Then we started having different ideas of how you can use this. And then creativity just exploded. And the way you can represent ideas, uh, create integrations, uh, it's, it's just totally different because there's no limit, Chris. Right, right. Anything yeah. you want, actually, you can create. So... Uh, this experience has proven so good and so effective that uh, it, it, lead, it led us to, to think that we really need to keep going. So all these things are things we're advising our clients, but we're walking the talk. So yeah. that helps very, them. Yeah, it's very exciting that you get to be, I mean, you're at the, you know, the forefront of this new frontier. You know you need to do it for your organization. And your clients are asking you to help take them there. So yeah, it must be very energizing and exciting for you to be part of that. It is really exciting. It's really exciting. Plus it's pretty fun to see, uh, as you can see, mature young uh, people like ourselves uh, yes. <laughs> with Oculus and going into the metaverse for the first time. It's actually a, an interesting and fun, yeah, <laughs> fun thing yeah, to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so to pivot now a bit from the future and, and technology, what, you know, one of the things I'm curious about when I meet leaders like you that are, you know, that are experienced and established and successful, I, I feel like there's, there's leadership lessons that we learned earlier in our career. And usually it comes from, you know, one or two great leaders that we had that, that gave us some good messaging or coaching or advice and or some really bad leadership examples where we said, I am, I am never going to do this to someone because, so I'm, I'm just wondering if I was to ask you to recall the, you know, the formative years for you as a leader, were there people that, that, that demonstrated leadership in a way that was inspiring to you that you still, that stays with you today still, Jorge? Oh, I, I have, I have, uh, to be honest, I, I, I have had the luck to have some really good ones. Uh, in both the the places I have been, uh, I had a I had a one of my early bosses uh, uh, was a Spaniard, 
uh, and he, I mean, he's just a fantastic uh, human being. And he, he taught me a, a lot of things. And um, I would say one of the things that, that stayed with me, and, and this was very early. This, it wasn't even cool to talk about this, but he was <laughs> truly an authentic person. Mm. And he would, not, he would not fake his, world, his way through the world. He would be himself. And I think the, the thing that really uh, stayed with me is you can tell. We all can tell fakeness. Yeah. Yeah. We all can tell fakeness. And it's so easy to tell that uh, you just have to dare to be yourself. And, and I know this is now very spoken about, but to be honest, this is one of the most important leadership traits. If you are truly authentic, people will know. And when people learn that, they're willing to listen. Actually, when I was in, in Deloitte, the, the leader of the, of the Mexico board uh, was a, a gentleman from the U.S., just a fantastic gentleman. And uh, I would say he, he taught me to customize the experience and to listen. We tend to think in stereotypes. That's the reality. Right. But especially with executives, customizing the experience of work is very, very important. Every executive is different. Every executive has an idea of what they want to achieve. And, and, but we, we tend to make it parametric. And I think the thing I learned from him was parameters work for some, but at the end, what really makes a difference is the customization. And the only thing, the only way you can customize is if you listen. That's very forward thinking back then to be, first of the example of being authentic, which we're all, every leader I coach and work with now is talking about, okay, I'm supposed to be more vulnerable. I'm supposed to be more authentic. How do I do that? But, but back then, I mean, that people could barely spell it. So, <laughs> so to be thinking about customizing an executive's experience. So what, I mean, do you remember like what you thought when you heard that? Or did he give you examples of what? You see, the first I, the thing about authenticity was something I lived. Uh, right. This Spanish, uh, uh, Juan Carlos is, is his name. I mean, he, he was just himself. Yeah. And he had, you know, flaws and he had great things. And, but he, I was always, me and, and my team were, were always magnetized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we couldn't know why. Now I know what it was. It was his authenticity, right. his straightness, his um, and because he was authentic, he would laugh and he wouldn't care. He would make a mistake and he wouldn't care, and and um, and that made him what we know now, and we I would say call vulnerable, vulnerable, right? Being capable yeah. of being vulnerable, he just you know, and he wouldn't th- think about it. He would just do it. The customization was was a much more structured thing, I would say. And one of the things uh, that Rick would say was uh, <laughs> he had a phrase that I loved because I would I would get frustrated and automatically I would go to no we're gonna do this right and he <laughs> would say you know you can attract more flies with uh, honey than with vinegar and and he would talk about how each person has an expectation of what makes them truly happy. And if you can match that with what you're willing 
for them to achieve and get that in line on a customized way, the sky's the limit. Um, yeah, no, it's such a simple statement and concept, but but that's what you're what I hear you talking about is engagement, which is what organizations are spending millions on is how do we improve engagement? How do we ensure engagement with our people? And just that idea of listening and being willing to customize the experience to the to the employee or the leader or the manager so that they can have autonomy <laughs> in, a, in a safe environment where they feel taken care of. Uh, some years ago, I read bo a book from Daniel Pink, yeah. which is awesome. And, and the concept of, of how autonomy works and what he has found about uh, autonomy confirmed to me this, this thing, because uh, that's really what makes people whole, full. You know, sometimes we just don't look at that that much. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that I, I ask everyone that, that joins me in the podcast is to reflect back on on a couple things. And, and one is this idea of, you know, we all make mistakes. We all learn from our mistakes. And, you know, oftentimes it's like, no, I, I, I'm happy that mistake happened. But I'm curious, is there a something you could have done differently, a, a moment in your career that you look back like, ah, if I could do that differently, I wished I did. Early in my career, I thought I could always find a way to, to convince people to follow me. And not always happens. <laughs> and sometimes you just have to make decisions. Right. And uh, those decisions are hard and are tough. But uh, sometimes they have to, you just have to do it because interests don't match and when interests don't match and when you're not able to customize these experiences uh, it's better to part ways the thing i've learned is those types of conversations are the critical ones and just being straight about that kind of thing was something i didn't know before and i've learned with with the years of of being in in the role and and maybe if i would have looked back I could have made many decisions that could have been better for the person and better for the company. And that's and that's a part of us learning and maturing and, and where we look back and go, without those lessons, without those mistakes, I wouldn't know what I know and be what I am. If you were talking to a 30 or 35-year-old Jorge, uh, and we wouldn't rob what we wouldn't want to rob him of all these experiences, but if you got a chance to 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 Say something to give him some peace of mind about the future or about his leadership journey. What would you What would you tell that that younger version of yourself? Uh, I will tell them three things. Diversity is not compliance; it's innovation. Diversity is not just gender; it's also perspective, right. age, and that is what truly, truly pushes innovation. Yeah. So do not think this is somebody's compliance and don't. It's for real. What we have to understand early is that uh, I would say conflicting ideas are what generate the next level of innovation. The second one I would say is what's going to come change the world in the industry you're in is not the competitors that you have now, are the ones that you don't see. Mm. It's the ecosystem that it's two circles outside right so forward looking is not progressive is disruptive um i would say that's another way of thinking 
And, uh, and probably the third one is the role of leadership has really modified to, and I love, uh, I'm not sure I like the word, but I love the concept, servant leadership. See, I've never liked the word servant, but at the end, that's what it is. It's really being a leader is helping others and understanding that because everybody wants to be a leader, right? Well, being a leader means help, means putting yourself in a position where you just don't think about yourself. You think about others all the time. Those, those I think, Chris, would be the, the three I would give them. Those would be uh, pretty handy things to have in your back pocket, you know, with the uh, the the brash uh, energy and confidence of a of a thirty year old. And again, we both know that the value of learning the lessons. And um, you know, when when we get when we finally put our ego in the back seat and eventually in the trunk where it belongs, uh, things start to open up for us, right? But yes. it's, it's hard when. You know, and and you know, you working in in Mexico, I'm sure culturally there's some differences here than here, but there's some very similar things I'm hearing you say about what we're expected, what we think leadership is, which is directing and telling, and you know, getting our way and convincing. And you know, what I'm hearing you say, it's actually the opposite. It's paying attention, it's listening, it's asking questions. We still have the responsibility to lead the the efforts, but but it's not all about us and our ideas it's diversity of thought and perspectives and um and, and just to circle back on that thing you said about hey if it's a bad fit let's let's not fight it and and i think um i think too often we we think that the end of a, a relationship but it's funny i was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody was talking about personal relationships about marriages and you know everyone's got their opinions about that but this woman was saying you know why do we think it's a failure if a marriage only uh, lasts eight years or 12 years or it ends after 20. Like, why do we assume it's a failure? Maybe two people outgrew themselves. And so now you're supposed to, you know, hang on forever and, and yeah. stop being who you are. And, and I, you know, and again, we that would be a whole different podcast. And <laughs> at the end, is, I, I, I like the, the, the example you put here because it's exactly that. Why would a, would a relationship between two people be a bad one? If they decide that it's the right moment for that person to exit, and, and let me give you a, a, an anecdote, and this happened, uh, I think it's a month ago. I received an email from from what? Well, he's not so much a young man now, but he's younger than me, and he worked with me, uh, and we got to a point where I advised him that the best thing for him was to go outside the company and pursue what he was truly fantastic at. And he wrote me and told me, Jorge, best piece of advice. I never thought I would tell you this, but best piece of advice. I just got uh, this new role. He He's an uh, expert in energy, and he became one of the key individuals in a regulator. And to be honest, everybody listens to him. He's amazing, sound, brilliant. Uh, and, you know, I'm so happy. It, it's very inspiring when, the way you position that because it's this idea that it, you know, you're setting the individual and the organization free, and it doesn't have to be seen as a failure or a problem. It's growth. It's like okay, what we know is that this isn't working. We've tried this, we've tried that. You're not feeling happy and productive and healthy, and neither are we. So let's let's part ways. So I think there's a so like a loosening of the grip, maybe loosening control, right? Which is 
you know, maybe part of the theme that, that you and I have been talking about early days in, in, in our leadership journeys, we thought control was what leadership was. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's less about having like holding control and, and more about encouraging others to, to rise up to what they can be. We we still, as a leader, you still have to guide and direct. And anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating and, and liberating. I think, are you, um, in, in your role, and I, you know, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I really appreciate it. I'm enjoying the conversation. I know the listeners. I'm happy, well. and, and I'm sure you and me could talk for another three hours. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the next time that we do that, that that um, maybe we maybe one of us is on an airplane and and we are face to face, and and if not, maybe we're you know wearing goggles and we're we're in a metaphor. Uh, maybe we're metaphor we're in the virtual world. That would be a good one. <laughs> right. Yeah. One of those two. But I just wanted to touch on your. You know, I know. We'll, uh, our, our initial conversation, you were telling me about the, the, the your role, your current role, and the challenges that, that you, what you saw, what you wanted to do in, in shifting the culture. And I'm just wondering if there's a story or two you're willing to share or, or how it's going in terms of, you know, shaping and shifting the culture that, <clears throat> that you envision. To be honest, it's going fantastic. The group I'm working with is, is a group of fantastic people. And, uh, Actually, the reason why I started this, and I'm so happy, this, I'm, this has been a very happy day. Uh, hmm. Our results came in, and, and, and they have been great, and we're so excited. Our clients are truly happy for what we're doing for them. Probably the, 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 ha- the true happiness comes from knowing we dared to be brave and change things, and those changes are working. So our mind, in a way, has expanded on what we can achieve and, and the purpose that, that we're pursuing. So I'm really happy. It has been, this has been a fantastic day. So I'm, and it's, uh, the, this podcast is also helping put it, uh, a, a final touch on this day that is awesome. But my learning is, if you're not feeling the fear, you're truly not moving the needle. That's the reality. Yeah, I love that. If you're not feeling the fear, truly feeling the fear, you're not moving the needle, which is true. Is like you're you're kind of playing it safe, aren't you? If you're not really scared, you've you've kind of built yourself a safety net, or or maybe you're not taking a big enough risk or innovating enough. And uh, I, I I wish the the listeners could see the smile on your face because I I can tell it's been a good day for you. And I and I, I know when I first connected, you didn't have. The results. You knew you were on this path. You knew you took some risks, and so uh, congratulations on on you know like the milestone of like okay, we took this chance, we've tasted success, and now we're hungry for more. So grateful to to have you join us uh, today, Jorge. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to more conversations with you, and um, yeah. So thank you for sharing everything that you did, and and um, I'm sure we'll we'll chat again down the road. No, thanks. Thanks a lot, Chris. Uh, very happy to talk. Um, as you as you can tell. Human capital is, is part of where one of my passions and happy to learn and, and talk. And I've learned a lot in this conversation. So thanks a lot. Muchas gracias. Buenas tardes. Gracias a ti. Bye-bye. Buenas tardes. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening.